You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. 818, let's get to Counterpoint for tonight. Joining us, Jeremy Richler. He's an employment and corporate lawyer. And Tasha Kiernan, of course, our host here on Global News Radio. You can catch her between 12 and 2. Good to have you guys. Hello. Let's talk about Premier Wynn. I don't know if you caught the interview and the exchange with John Oakley, uh, but it was it was a pretty entertaining uh, bit of radio. And a big part of the conversation was about fairness. Um, that's what she's running on. And Oakley asked, you know, how is it fair to suddenly spike the minimum wage and hurt private businesses? And we've got reports coming in from banks and chambers of commerce. And the numbers, uh, you know, fiddle around, but it's anywhere between 50 to 180,000 jobs could be lost. So, Tash, I'll start with you. How is this fair uh, under a Kathleen Wynne government that one sector is pummeled and the other is not? Well, in fact, both sectors are pummeled in different ways. They just don't know it yet. Yeah. Um, the uh, the business sector knows exactly what's coming down in the sense that $14 an hour is a big jump from the current minimum wage very fast, and it will affect their bottom line. So they're going to do things like automate. They're going to hire fewer people. They're going to fire people. And the result is that the other sector, which is people who need entry-level jobs, and this can be whether it's a student looking for that first job or whether it's a new immigrant looking for that job they need to feed their family, is going to have a harder time finding one, and those people are going to lose out too. The winners, of course, are people who already are in a minimum wage job, and we'll see their wages go up, but there are losers in this equation too, and she's not talking about them. Well, yeah, and I, I interestingly, I mean, the public sector will get hit too, Jeremy, because we're already hearing that, you know, crossing guards, uh, hospital staff, that's all going to cost us more in money. It's going to hit the bottom line of everybody, and eventually layoffs are going to start to happen. Well, there's no question that um, that this is going to hurt a lot of people. Like you said, businesses are going to have higher payroll costs. I'm already hearing of people speaking to me, uh, you know, in terms of people in minimum wage jobs now being told that we can't keep you on anymore because it's too expensive. And obviously, business isn't happy about this, but it's increasingly difficult to make it on $11 an hour, eleven twenty-five an hour. I agree that the jump to 14 and then to 15 is quite a pronounced jump. But I think politically, this is a win for Kathleen Wynne. How? Be- because the thing is, it really galvanizes her. It galvanizes the center left. It takes people that would tilt NDP and say, you know, she's the one that's looking after, and I'll use a liberal talking point here, the middle class and those working hard to join it, mm. with emphasis on the latter. And I think the politics of it worked her advantage. Yes, there are going to be people in the business community that are going to be very upset and small businesses that might have to lay people off now. But in terms of, uh, you know, there's a pretty wide pool of voters on the center left. Granted, her approval ratings are quite low now. This definitely does work to her advantage. And I think it is part of the reason why polls have tightened. Yeah, uh, well, yeah. I was going to say, it's part of the reason. I don't disagree with that, but it's hurting those very people. And yeah. that's the irony here is, yes, yeah, she's appealing to the voters that Andrea Horvath would like to have in her camp. But it's not just small businesses who are going to lay people off. Um, you know, McDonald's, uh, Walmart, um, uh, uh, Loblaws, they're, they're going to automate. And that's the biggest thing. And automation's coming anyway, but it's going to come faster yep. because of this. So, you know, yeah, the center left may vote for her, but they're going to be the losers at the end. Yeah, look, I've talked to a, a number of uh, auto manufacturing parts companies and any any company looking to expand in Ontario, they're saying, absolutely not. We're going to move because mm-hmm. it's just not worth it. But interestingly, it wasn't too long ago that one Tim Hudak lost his job, Jeremy, over the possibility that 100,000 public sector jobs uh, would be lost. And yet no one seems to give a darn, uh, and I'm being polite when I say that word, about 100,000 possible private sector jobs. Because, because they're possible. 
possible job. Well, possible job. Well, that was possible when Tim Hudak ran. But he was basically campaigning on a hundred thousand. Well, there was a million jobs plan minus the hundred thousand. We're going to have to cut through attrition. But it just played into that narrative that this is the these are the hard right conservatives that are waging war against public sector workers and a lot of people that don't necessarily vote liberal or on the center right were like, yeah, my niece or my nephew or my dad works for the government. It just rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. I mean, I hear your yeah, point. Yeah, rubbed the unions but, the wrong well, way. But it rubbed and enough people the, the wrong noise. way that Kathleen Wynne got a majority government, which I predicted and you thought I was nuts. But no, it just well, didn't It didn't work for them. And I think that's why, you know, the conservatives now are taking a bit of a different tack. Well, yeah. And Tasha, I mean, the bottom line is when this election happens in the next six months, the first huge spike in this minimum wage will be in effect. So if those jobs are to start shedding, and we've already started to see them shed, and we're already hearing businesses saying we're laying off uh, some of our summer jobs and our waitressing staff, we've reduced hours. We should see uh, a full effect of this plan. It could come back to bite her during that campaign. Um, it could, though it's not clear whether the effect would be that quick. And I will take issue with, uh, you know, Tim Hudak and, and why that 100,000 jobs um, lost in the election. I agree it was a mistake, but I think it was a mistake because it inflamed the unions, who were yeah. behind, by the 100%. way, 94% oh. of third-party ad spending mm-hmm. in the past three elections. And in that one alone, they spent about $20 million attacking the Conservatives on that and other things, but mainly on that piece. So when they hammered it home, the, the rules are different this time around. They will not be able to spend that much money. But that is why he inflamed that particular constituency. Public sector jobs, yeah, it's different when private sector jobs are shed because there it's seen, oh, it's hurting businesses, big bad business, you know, uh, the right, the Conservatives. Well, you know what? Um, it shouldn't matter if it's a public or private sector job. In this case, uh, when you attack the public sector, of course, you have very powerful interests that will come out and and fight them and they're the left so it's, yeah. it's a different game for sure and tim hudak made one mistake he told the truth jeremy That's well, the, it. The, 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 the only thing that i will add here is i take a lot of the points about the impact on business and some of the people in the jobs but you know we're in a time where it's very difficult particularly in a city like toronto for people to make it on 11 25 an hour i can't I imagine why the jeremy because they can't afford their hydro bills don't make it about uh, the well, liberal <laughs> it's because it is very difficult you hear about people that are just scraping to make it and yeah, why? On three jobs because they can't afford all the taxes, increased costs, and all the other and all stuff. the services yes. the government no longer provides hasn't been increased over time. If it was indexed, no, I, I don't disagree there. You'd have you wouldn't have this issue. Other provinces do that, and this is the uh, liberals have been in power this whole time. Why didn't they raise it until now? Well, yeah. they've only had fourteen years, Tasha. Yeah, Come on, yeah. give them more time. Called an election. <laughs> well, look, look, the, the attacks have already started. It is clear that the premier is going to uh, run this narrative of twelve billion in cuts that Patrick uh, Brown will have to do to pay for his people's guarantee. And I sat down with Brown today and he defends that he can pay it by simply stopping the waste. Uh, and he did point out the only he's the only party leader to cost out his platform. Uh, but you know uh, in politics, Jeremy, that it's all about perception. Certainly you do uh, as well, Tasha. And, and he's got to be able to combat this message, uh, you know, which could essentially sink him for a third time. But he has to get through that noise. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, and I know they've had Kevin Page cost out the program, and it's just, I do find it somewhat humorous to have Kevin Page now. I mean, I know he's just been hired as an expert, not in any partisan, but just given the war, the constant war between Stephen Harper and himself, I find that kind of amusing. But getting to the larger point, Patrick Brown, I think, has presented a much more moderate platform, but there are... there. 
the, the specter that there's going to have to be a lot of cuts to pay for these tax cuts is there. I think what Patrick Brown has to do, I don't even think it's policy. I think he has to connect better with voters. I think he's still an enigma to a lot of people out there. They put out this platform. It's down the middle. It's certainly not threatening, the, you know, to, to people that are, you know, in that center, maybe tired of win. But and, and I think he's done a decent job in terms of the way he campaigns. And he's a, you know, I think he's studious and a, a, a tireless worker. But I think the connection with the people, he needs to make a better connection. And then when people have the trust, I think it'll be easier. I would vote for a flaming bag of dog poop at this point to get a change in government. <laughs> Why am I not like, surprised? Look, well, look, <laughs> I mean, look, Latasha, I mean, he's got to get through this, but there's no question you can cut the waste. No question. You know, you don't have to make the deep cuts like that. There's there, plenty of fat to trim. There is fat to trim. Um, and the problem, I have a problem with the, with the, the conservatives platform, the progressive conservatives, because it is in many ways an extension of what Wynn is doing. And this is, this is to me, the biggest gamble they're taking here. It is, yes, moderate, Bill Davis-type approach, uh, progressive, conservative, but um, it continues a lot of what Wynn does, um, you know, they would, for example, give, they would, they would also create sub, uh, spaces in daycare, which she has pledged to do, but they'd also give money to parents. Um, they will give a tax cut, fine, um, but, you know, she hasn't fully released her platform. Expect to see some tax relief in there, too. So I'm sure that, you know, when you compare the two, there'll be a lot of similarities. The biggest problem I have with it is that it doesn't, on the hydrophile, um, really, it is, it's a shell game as much as Kathleen Wynne's amortizing the mortgage, extending the payments over 25 or 35 years or however many it was, is, the, is a shell game. That's what frustrates me. Hydro is a really big issue. The, the conservatives had a big opportunity to do something here. And yeah, but you know, Tasha, they, there's no way that you could campaign on saying you'll fix it for a trillion dollars. I mean, no, yeah. it's not that. The, the, the NDP are very clear. They blame the private sector for everything. And they course. have a privatized, yeah. uh, you know, public... Uh, plan to, to just re-own all of the um, different companies and, and specifically Hydro One, the shares that have been uh, sold. But uh, the, the, that they're very clear and it's easy. If you know, you know, you either like it or you don't. With, with the, the conservatives, they're trying to tell you, well, we're going to spread the cost over the general tax base, so we're going to give relief to ratepayers, but it's going to fall on the tax base. Well, ratepayers are taxpayers too, so it. I just feel that it doesn't it doesn't really grab what needs to be done. The imagination here of, of people to say yes. This is the way to fix hydro. It's more of we're just going to lessen the pain a little. All right, let's. Uh, but a, but a lot of people will like that. Right. Um, let's talk uh, at a break. Eight twenty-eight. I got to take a quick break. We're doing counterpoint here with Tasha Kieran and Jeremy Rischel. We're picked up the debate when we come back. I'm Alex Pearson. This is on point here on Global News Radio. You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. 8.32 here, you're listening to On Point, and we've got Tasha Curden and Jeremy Richler uh, joining us today. Let's talk about this spike that we've seen, and I know you covered this today, Tasha, in uh, anti-Semitic mm-hmm. hate propaganda. And it's all over Canada, Manitoba, Hamilton, Toronto, Edmonton, yeah. Quebec, yeah. And uh, if you don't know the story, uh, several of the synagogues got Nazi-like propaganda, it's things like Jewry uh, Must Perish, uh, accompanied by a bleeding Star of David with a swastika in the center. And... Anti-Semitism has been on the rise in in around the world for a long time. In Canada, over the last two years, it's gone up 24%, Tashi, yet it's not talked about. We do not hear a lot about the rise in anti-Semitism, albeit we do hear quite a lot about attacks on, on let's say, the Muslim community. Yes, we do. And I think, well, I think partly because... Um, 
attacks on the Muslim community are more new. Uh, Anti-Semitism, like you pointed out, has been with us for, unfortunately, um, much of history. And um, it, it, does, uh, it does see spikes, and we are seeing one now. We're seeing uh, attacks against a lot of different groups, including Muslims, including uh, blacks in the U.S., including uh, Jews here and also around the world. And I think that um, the climate right now is such that, yes, we're hearing about it again, because there are specific incidents, and um, there, you know, the 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 issues around terrorism have mostly involved, unfortunately, the Muslim community in the last decade. I would say, uh, as a source of terror in the world, there are fanatics and ISIS and other groups that are doing these kinds of things. But as a result, you know, we are maybe ignoring the kind of things, the anti-Semitism that's that's always there. Um, and that's at our peril, because at the end of the day, intolerance is intolerance, racism is racism, and groups uh, like Jews are targets of it, and we have to acknowledge that, and we have to fight that. Yeah, I mean, when I read this morning, you know, what happened, and, you know, this touched two synagogues in Montreal that I have somewhat of a personal connection to, because one of them, my grandparents were members, and the other one, my father actually went to as a child. So you're dealing with two synagogues in Montreal, four here in Toronto. This was clearly a coordinated attack. Mm -hmm. And I mean, being Jewish myself, it made me nothing less than sick to my stomach. Uh, To know that this kind of bigotry and vile hatred still exists out there, and that even though I think we made a lot of progress as a society, it still rears its ugly head. And like you're pointing out, it's been on the rise over the last couple of years. Now, I don't want, I don't want to politicize this, How but I will not, say, though? no, but How what I will not? say is I think an environment where people feel like it's safe to say things that at one point would have been considered taboo for their hateful content, people feel a little bit more like, like it's like they got the green light to do it. I mean, what we saw in Charlottesville with a bunch of people marching saying Jews will not replace us. And, mm-hmm. you know, the president, I don't think, you know, he said there were fine people on both sides. I think there are a lot of people on the far right. And I know you have Antifa on the far left, but you have a lot of extreme voices in this era of, you know, where people don't believe what they're being told and the fake news, where these extreme voices feel like they have refuge and feel like they have a little bit more license to say what they want. And I'm not blaming either of the parties, but I'm saying it's something that I think is a consequence of, a you know, a bit of a troll-like universe that we live in with social media and, you know, just, you know, exactly exacerbated uh, extremes on both sides. For sure, social media plays into it, Tasha, but we've seen it creeping up for a long time. I mean, you just need to look at the university culture. You've got all these student groups and these uh, union groups that hold these, uh, uh, you know, Israeli apartheid. I mean, there, there's a growing uh, number of of these groups on campuses. Yeah, there's definitely uh, the, you know, the, the Boycott Israel movement um, is something that has I've been, I would say, has co-opted young people, but has certainly been extremely, become extremely present on university campuses. And um, we've had, we've had issues around, of anti-Semitism around um, the the struggle in Israel and Palestine to basically find some way forward in terms of existence and coexistence. And we know that the, you know, there's been terrorist attacks against Israel by Palestinians uh, for a very long time now as well. But that conflict, like you said, kind of, um, has been superseded by other issues around terrorism in the Middle East at large or terrorist attacks perpetrated against the West by groups like ISIS. It's interesting to note, though, that there's also anti-Semitism on the rise in other places. Russia, for example, um, recently, yeah, the Russian, a Russian justice official repeated a claim by some bishop in Russia that uh, Jews murdered the last Tsar. And, you know, really strange stuff has come out. And there I, I go to the point um, that uh, was just made about how the climate can contribute to this. And without pointing political fingers again, um, you know, Putin is this type of strong leader who 
has very many reprehensible characteristics and opinions. No, for sure. uh, Donald Trump is, is, is cut in a similar cloth, even the two men don't agree on a lot of stuff, but very similar cloth. Mm. And that, contrib- that emboldens people. It emboldens people on the street to say, you know, if they say it, it's okay to say it. I totally agree. And, yeah. and that is a really, really scary thing. Yeah. Last point to you, Jeremy. No, I, I would just say, I mean, I think no, there definitely is this rise in anti-Semitism, but let's not forget also there recently was an attack uh, on, you know, on, on two people you know, that they were alleged to be members of ISIS when they when they clearly weren't was a hate crime. Yeah. And we had the, you know, the murder of innocent uh, Muslims praying last yeah, year in Quebec course. City. So, so no I one's mean, discounting no, that. No, no, no. And I, I agree. We shouldn't play that. Who's, um, which hatred who, who is has worse? It worse? I just think there's a rise in hatred all around. I think Tasha mm-hmm. and I agree for the most part, on, on the underlying causes of this. Let's talk a lot quickly about uh, the, the Liberals. Uh, Trudeau's under fire, Tasha, for, um, you know, by one of the biggest unions, Cup W, which gave him a lot of support during the election because they accused the PM of, of essentially punting the door-to-door mail service for the second year in a row. This was a big issue in the last campaign. Hey, a mailbox got broken in Montreal over this. You might remember the former mayor smashed one. It was a very big issue. Yeah, and the Liberals promised to bring it a mail door door to door delivery back and we're you know, people are st- they're still waiting. They're still sitting there wondering, uh, you know, when is that happening? On the other hand, um, you know, Canada Post has so many problems right now handling its parcel business. I don't know if it can even handle getting back into the deli- mail delivery business. Um, really, the, the Liberals have a, an obligation to either fulfill that promise or say, okay, we're not going to do it. There's a review they're supposed to have delivered. Delivered, ironically. They haven't delivered it it's yet. It's as slow We're as the mail. We're it- waiting. It's, in, it's lost in the mail, probably. Yeah, what I would what I would argue here is, I mean, I know they've they've punted it down the field. I think one thing that we do have to look at here is there has been a change in the in the minister. The previous minister of public works was Judy Foote, and she had to resign for personal reasons. And I don't want to pass judgment. I think it's fair to say she was not one of the more effective ministers. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. There are a lot of them. Let me no, no, let me just finish <laughs> and this. They've thought. all let's, been shuffled. Let's not make this about the liberals. Let me no, just no, make no, my. They're point. in charge. Can no, I just no, finish? No. Can I please finish? Um, <laughs> And then, and then the thing is, there's also the Phoenix pay system, which is a total fiasco, and we can point fingers all around. The new minister, Carla Qualtrough, is arguably a lot more qualified and on the file, but she has a lot on her plate. And I, I think that, you know, this isn't the kind of thing. I don't think there's too many people waking up in the middle of the night saying, oh, when are the liberals going to figure out what's going on with Canada Post? I'm sure there are plenty of people that are upset that they haven't been paid in two years, which is just scandalous. And it makes me angry because I know what it's like to go, you know, a certain period of time without pay. But yes, they should get this done, and it's too bad they haven't gotten it done already. But in the grand scheme of things, I don't even think this is on the issues management. Well, well actually, it is on the issues management, Tasha, because the, well, because the unions are piping mad oh. about this because it's yet another failed promise. So it's one uh, percent yeah. more for Jagmeet Singh. It's, I don't, no, 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 it's not about that. The point is they're not getting a lot of stuff done, including this. Yeah, well, the liberals aren't getting. They, they set too much on their plate. They had way too. They made all these promises to all these people to get their votes. This yeah. is essentially, the the problem they're facing is they they overpromise. And they're under delivering. I'm happy to have them fail at this one, by the way. (laughs) I'm happy to have them fail on this one, but I'm just saying. Yeah, I saved a lot of money actually by cutting it. I mean, I lost my home delivery. Was I happy? No, but I get it. And really, can I stand getting the mail every you know few days at a box down the street? I can. The senior though uh, vote that was, I think, perhaps um, co-opted by this promise too, though that is that's kind of unfair because I think that uh, it's not just the unions who wanted home delivery back. A lot of elderly people said, you know, this I I want my mail at my house. And this may have swayed their vote. And uh, they're getting short shrift here. So, you know, um, uh, the liberals, uh, I, I would say the check is, is, is not in the mail for them on this one. <laughs>
uh, last point. Yeah, to I would just say, look, seconds. I agree that there were a lot of promises there and it should have been done uh, by now. But I think that it's more important to get it right and have a long term <laughs> solution that works than to meet artificial deadlines and be at it again in two years. Well, we'll see because they got to do a lot of studies. Jeremy, we'll pick it up. Uh, we'll uh, end it on that note. Thanks, guys. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Tasha Kierden joining us this after this evening. Boy, I'm not getting it right tonight. And Jeremy Richler joining us on the show tonight.